thanks for joining us again. We're back. Look, I'm emotionally and physically exhausted after spending five films with the, the one, the only Tom Atkins, Jared. I don't know how you feel. No, oh, I was uplifted. You could have knocked out the rest of his catalogue. Absolutely. <laughs> could have just could have just yeah. sat on the couch and watched them one after the other. Look, you can never get enough Atkins, really. But we're back. We're finalising the RoboCop franchise, I guess, with RoboCop 3. But before we get to that, Jared, uh, I just wanted to do a quick up or down. I saw a trailer for a, a, a thriller that came is coming out called Alone, and it's directed by one of the guys who, or a guy who directed um, a couple of the Universal Soldier films, recent mm. Universal Soldier films. His name's John Hames. I thought the trailer wasn't too bad. I was reasonably impressed. I don't know about what, how you felt about it. Yeah, look, I, I felt like it had some nice moments in the trailer without going too much into the story or, you know, who the characters were. It, it had enough in the trailer where you said, okay, well, I'm probably going to get some nice little moments in here. Don't know what I'm going to get story-wise, but you'll probably get enough to, to enjoy the experience, I, I suppose. Yeah, my thinking was I like those kind of tight cat and mouse style films where there's not a lot of people involved and it's very much you know kept close and this, that this this is why I was kind of gravitating towards this one because it looked like it was that type of thing but you know check it out I, I'll be definitely checking it out I think it's coming to streaming in the well I think it came out yesterday in America mm. so hopefully we'll see it on a, in Australian Streaming in six to twelve months. Yeah, look, I I had a quick look at uh, a couple of reviews. They weren't overly big on it, but they they sort they sort of said it was interesting enough without kind of elevating it into upper tier with you know the the, the good sort of writing or whatever behind it. But they didn't turn me off checking it out. I think it's a remake of a, a European film. Right. From like 2012 or something. Yep. So, look, fingers crossed it's all right. Yeah, I just sort of found it floating around when I was just surfing the net the other day and, you know, thought it looked all right. So Was that when you were um, possibly... looking up sort of sudden death sequels again? Oh, fuck, I forgot about sudden death. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've, you've, you've reignited my fire on that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Where's that coming well, out? Well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit perturbed since I found out that it's had a basketball game. So... There's no sudden death in basketball. It's called overtime, so I'm not sure. <laughs> Is he going to go from the basketball to a hockey game or something? I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. Look, I'm I'm excited for sudden. Welcome to sudden death. Yeah, look, I'll be there. No, no question about that. I mean, it's on Netflix. Yes, I'm a captive audience. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to tell me I've got to pay twenty bucks for it. Yeah, exactly. You're just sitting there and then you go, oh, look what's on, and off you go. I think it's coming out on the 26th or something. Yeah, like it's that. not too far off, I believe. Yeah, I'll, I'll be there. It'll definitely be covered not long after the 26th on this podcast, just letting you know. Yeah. All right, let's take a break, Jared. and here's the trailer for 1993's RoboCop 3. state-of-the-art in law enforcement technology. 
for backup. But the system thinks he's become too independent. He disobeyed a direct order. I want to know why. His friend was in trouble and he made a judgment call. Too unpredictable. They're saying he's gone underground. Oh, there goes our PR budget. Too human. We have a warrant out for the arrest of Robocop. Now, the system's out to get him. Because he's fighting for the people. If you want to get in there, you're going to have to shoot through us. I don't have a huge problem with that. Get them for me. I promise. All right, Mr. Robocop. Come and get me. I must commandeer your vehicle for police use. What is your problem, sucker? I mean, officer? I hope you are insured. your damn ninja was supposed to take care of Robocop for me. You are under arrest for assaulting an officer and destruction of police property. You may want to call the fire department. What, you going war wacky? I think I'm in love. He's taking the future. What? And giving it back to the people. Robocop 3. How may I help you, officer? By resisting arrest. Robocop 3 from 1993. Directed by Fred Decker, who gave us Night of the Creeps. Produced by Patrick Crowley, who produced The Bourne Identity and subsequent sequels. The story is by Frank Miller, who wrote Sin City. And the screenplay is by Frank Miller and Fred Decker. It stars Robert John Burke as Robocop, Nancy Allen as Anne Lewis, CCH Pounder as Bertha, and John Castle as Paul McDaggett. The budget was $22 million, and the worldwide box office was $10 million. Now, some very interesting trivia here, Jared. The, the, the role of the villain, McDaggett, came down to the man who got it, John Castle, and Tom Atkins mm. was the second choice. Bad call. <laughs> you think they buffed it there? Yeah, absolutely. And also, Michael Dudikoff passed on the role of of Alex Murphy. Yes, I read that too. Interesting. Saw something as uh, he saw Peter Weller as something of a mentor, so he didn't yeah. want to step into the shoes. <laughs> well, he, the, the, he would have been too short for the suit. <laughs> yeah. Correct. The suit had to be perfectly tailored to the next bloke who got in it. That's right. They would have stuffed him in it anyway. The movie was actually filmed in 1991 and was not released until 93 because Orion, the production company, went bankrupt. Not a good way to start a third film. No. All right, Jared, what's your take on Robocop 3? It's a big step down. That's putting it mildly, I suppose. Obviously, I mean, shit, it killed Fred Decker's career, essentially. <laughs> so it killed off Robocop for 20-odd years. They made a big mistake by going to the, the, the kid audience or trying to play to the kid audience and sell some toys and stuff like that. And in doing that, someone like Fred Decker, who's made movies that kind of work like that, looking at something like Monster Squad... I'm not sure what went wrong here, but the there's the the excitement levels are just at 
rock bottom for the whole fucking movie. Yeah. Um, there was barely a, a scene that, that that was exciting in any way. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how else to put it. And uh, they they treaded some familiar ground with Robocop. It was, it, like, it seemed like they just went back to some things that we'd already done and didn't do it very well. And I've mentioned previously about some of my issues with Robocop, although I do love the character and, you know, I'll talk about some of them, but the way that he kind of... The way that you kind of have to use him in, or that people seem to use him in in fight scenes and things like that. So I'll be generous and go a one and a half. I think. Fair enough. I'm not going to be as generous <laughs> as I said to you before we got on here. I actually hadn't seen it since it came out. So I mean, obviously, I wasn't a fan of it when I first saw it, and I kind of never sort of revisited it. And I wasn't expecting it to be as bad as it is, especially with the talent behind it. Mm. You know, I look at Fred Decker and I think the guy's a really talented guy, both as a writer and a director. But it just seems like he's, this is not his forte, maybe. But the film is just bland and boring and just a hodgepodge of, of ideas that don't seem to go anywhere or don't really stick. No. And they reuse, you hit the nail on the head, Robocop's really, the first film is the only one that can have an arc for Robocop. Yeah. Because they completed the arc. There wasn't much more to many places to go after that, and it's showcased in both sequels. Mm. But at least two gave us the, you know, the contortionist fiddler. <laughs> <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> and two you can't even give us that. Two at least had a couple of the scenes that kind of re. Uh, well, they, they captured some of that. You know, over the top violence and a little bit of the satire it didn't do it as well as the first one, but this no. one even left all of that behind. And I mean, Fred Decker has copped it on the chin. He's basically he he didn't pass the buck. He said all the decisions were were his basically. Mm. Um, although he did say, you know, initially he was advised that it was going to be a PG thirteen and that they wanted to swing towards selling some toys and the, the the younger audiences and things like that. But he said from that point he made all the calls. So. I don't know. I don't know whether he's just sort of just copying it on the chin so he doesn't have to talk about it anymore. Or I'm giving it one. Just a one. It's it's, it's it's a real it's a real low low point. Mm. And there's one particular scene that I'm going to be saying is the most embarrassing thing that Robocop's ever been involved. In. <laughs> okay. So. Cannot wait to hear it. Is that including the TV show? The Robocop Prime Directive sci-fi. I haven't seen Prime Directive, but I'm assuming, yes, it's probably more embarrassing than that. Okay. What I was going to say was everything I read was that Frank Frank Miller, his involvement is actually offshoot parts from Part 2, I believe, because he wrote Part 2. Is that not correct? Yes. He wrote Part 2, right? And so they recycled some of his other ideas from Part 2, and then Decker rewrote them. So even though he's mentioned as story by and screenplay, I don't think he actually sat down and wrote it with Decker. That's what I gleaned. No, whether I don't that's think true so. or not, I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I don't think I think he, his involvement was, as you said, so just used some ideas that were there. So, yeah. To to just just quickly get this out of the way, it it really does showcase the skill and the talent of Verhoeven. You know, I used to we laugh about the man, <laughs> we laugh about him constantly, but to produce what he produced with Robocop. On half the money that this movie's made on, mm. it, you know, it's a feat of incredible effort. And he's, I guess, a filmmaker with a, I think, a, just a better ability to work that, that he had a better script to work with for starters, but the satire and the humour and the violence and all that into it. Yeah. Whereas Decker, of course, has been hamstrung by no violence, but unfortunately the humour doesn't get anywhere either. No, that's right. Let's get to the likes, mate. What do you got? Uh, well, there's some decent actors that pop up. Yes. There's plenty of, you know, plenty of people that you've seen in small roles in other things. Um, you know, I was hoping Milton was going to torch the building at some point, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> almost got there. But, yeah, there's there's some real quality quality actors in, in bit parts. Yeah. I've got a little problem with some of the acting. Uh, and I'll get to it, but I think it's not necessarily their fault. Um, I actually did. I actually was pretty happy with the performances of um, CCH Pounder, yep. Daniel Von Bruggen, and I thought Jill Hennessy was okay. Yeah, she was you know, okay. Those, those guys basically play it fairly straight. Yeah. And I liked the sort of the, the, what, what the brief stuff we got of CCH Pounder and Daniel Von Bruggen, that kind of relationship. Yeah. I thought that was quite, quite nicely done. Mm-hmm. Probably more so from the actor's perspective because they really don't get much so. to do. No, yeah, not a hell of a lot. But the two of them kind of pull it off, give it a bit of chemistry, and I liked it. Agreed. I liked the opening throwbacks to Ed 209, and I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> yeah, I could have you done know, with a little bit more of that. Although yeah, they, um, I, I just I like to see Ed 209. Yeah, although they, they kind of... Yeah, and what, it. what they did with him was was here or there, but uh, it was nice to see something that you recalled fondly from the older ones. And I, there's something about the Ed Two Hundred Nine that I love in terms of its design. Yeah, it just looks really cool. Yeah, it does. It's sort of overkill, but it's it's kind of got that um, you know, obviously the less human look than than RoboCop did looks more like a, a car almost, but it's sort of got yeah. that you know, it's got that limited personality, and yeah, I agree. The way that it looked was pretty intimidating in the original one. And I just love that whole, I have to use lethal force or whatever, and just, you know, and I, you know, I always go back to the first one where it just blasts that guy to fucking mush yeah. in the conference room. A couple of the action scenes are reasonably well directed, I guess. Oh, shit, I'd like you to tell me which ones. Well, a couple of the car chases are okay. There's an explosion or two that looks quite nice. Basic standard stuff, but they're, they're directed okay, I guess I would say. Yeah, the first car chase was all right, I thought. But, yeah, I, I, there, wasn't, there wasn't much that I could say stood out. The car chase, there's a car chase later in the film that is fucking an abomination. <laughs> It is. It's awful. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get to that too. Uh, my last couple of very minor sort of things that I laughed at. Yeah. Uh, I got a dish with 
uh, Death Wish 3 flashback when late, later in the film two cops burst into the cop shop with some punk and they're wrestling with him and the guy is just going <laughs> off. He's yeah. just going off. Yeah. I loved it. I was like, this guy is just, he is loving his two minutes on screen. Yeah, he just got a little bit too far away from the group in Death Wish 3 and got hauled into, <laughs> hauled into the... <laughs> yeah, he got, he got taken down into Detroit police. That's right. <laughs> Again, all these ones are kind of half-baked likes for mine, but yeah, obviously one of the big things for, for Robocop is figuring out how, how his prime directives are going to clash, I suppose. Well, that seems to be a problem until he just doesn't fucking bother with his prime directives, so it doesn't, it's not a problem anymore, but <laughs> figuring out the way to make them clash is always an interesting the thing. The kill an OCP. yeah. And it seemed like they were going to look for, for opportunities for that, starting with the church, and then they just mm. – that's where it stopped. It just finished there. So I don't even know if I could call it a like, to be honest, but I thought, yeah, well, I could see that there was there was some intention to go with that, just like most of the other things that they, they delved into from previous films. It just – it didn't really work, I suppose. So I'm not, I'm not too, sure, too sure why I mentioned it here, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Should I cut that out? No, no, keep, we'll keep going. We'll see if we can find something to like about it. Yeah. See, that's where part two works a little better. Yeah. Remember when his whole memory gets wiped? Yep. His whole objectives get wiped? That stuff, at least part two, had that kind of wrinkle where they wiped all that out. Yeah. So he could be a little more autonomous, I guess. Yes. Um, this one didn't even bother. Like, what happened to his Well, that's directives? the thing. Didn't, uh, weren't they already gone? Oh, no, no. She rebooted him, remember? Yeah, but I thought, I thought at the end of, well, fuck, at the end of part two, or maybe I'm recalling incorrectly, but I didn't think he fucking bothered with him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So I don't he's know. He's just a fucking vigilante. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, he's Charles Bronson? Well, he's just Batman <laughs> in, a, in a fucking steel suit, I suppose. I don't know. Jeez. Killing off Lewis could have been big. Yeah. It I could have been, saw where they were going. Yeah, it could have been yeah. one of those moments where she probably didn't want to do too many of the films anymore and they could have used that to really heighten stakes. Again, it didn't work. It just came off as cheap, but... I I could sort of see where they were attempting to go with it. Yeah, I've got a dislike not about her death. I just just the way I think that character's been treated. Yeah, well, um, she had absolutely nothing. There, there was really no reason for her to be in this movie. If, if yeah, she didn't want and to. I be. felt you know like I felt. I'll get to it. I just yeah, I just felt her character. But I get where they were trying to go. Yeah, and it was at least a. How do I put it? A decent attempt to try and bring some weight to something. Yeah. You know, some emotion to it. Hmm. I actually thought the work of the sets was pretty solid. It appeared they got the use of a lot of bloody derelict buildings and shit. So yeah. a lot of it, you know, definitely looked like it was on location. But then even the, in, like things like the OCP offices and, and that sort of stuff, I thought they, they pulled that off. The interiors of it, I thought they pulled that off. To a decent standard, that it was it was it was good enough to kind of go in line with the other films. Yeah, yeah, agreed. That's about um, that's one of the few places you can see that there was a bit of money spent, I suppose. Yeah, always good to have the the proper music back. Yeah, because it was removed from the second one, mm. which was a fucking disaster. 
the music's great. It is. That theme it's, is yeah, really one of those good. really, really good action sort of soundtrack beats. Yep. I don't really know why they got rid of it for the second one. Mm. The Otamo's face when the bloke hits it with the uh, when he hits it with the fucking steel pipe and he starts yeah. moving his jaw back and forth. I was like, fuck, that actually looked pretty creepy. It was sort of like uh, yeah. one of the few things to like about the Otamo bloody it, story. It was, had it had moments of I almost laughed. Yes. And then also a sort of nightmare fuel quality. It did. It was goofy. Yet a little bit creepy at the same time. Yeah. I don't know. It looked like it I mean, belonged in a bloody Goosebumps episode or something. Well, <laughs> yeah, like, I could, I'd rather watch fucking Window Licker. <laughs> it's weird. I loop to look at that thing again because I was kind of creeped out when as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. what's going on here? Yeah, it was a little bit creepy. Yeah, it took me. It good. took me by surprise. Yep. But look, effects-wise, it was pretty decent. Yeah, and, and it was one of the few moments in the film that actually stood out with me, and I, I remembered it. Like when I turned yeah. it on, I was like, I remember the, that bloody creepy face part, but not much else. I enjoyed the Johnny Rehab advert. Yeah, one and of the very followed few. by a piss funny reenactment of RoboCop killing three nuns. Yeah, on the news. <laughs> Which I thought was piss funny. Yeah. You just see his feet clodding along and they step on the police badges. Yeah, yeah. One or two bright spots with the humour, I thought, um, which yeah. was unfortunate. The guy because, jumping out the window. Yeah, he, that was OCP's fuck. That was the closest they got to some of the satire from the first film. And then I'm thinking, so yeah. you've, in a PG-13 film, you've, you've seen fit to have a bloke with a bottle of piss on his desk and then jump out the window to his death. But, like, what are we doing here? Um, I also got another <laughs> laugh out of the bloke at the front desk of the police office there going, you got a RoboCup, you got an alien cup, how about a ghost cup? And then the guy's like, Leon, I told you I don't have time for this. And then he's sitting there going, vampire cup? I started <laughs> I started laughing at that. I thought that was kind of a nice little commentary on uh, sometimes, you know, how these films come together. You got a robot, yeah. you got a cop, here's how the story, you know. It sounds like just yeah. B-movie schlock where Robocop was one of the ones that rose above it, but then you think about things like bloody Maniac Cop and Ninja Cop and shit like that. It's pretty... Hang Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. Samurai Cop. Samurai Cop, that's it. Um, There's so many of them. The villain... There was one or two lines that I thought, a couple of lines that he had where his hammy sort of scenery-chewing delivery actually worked okay. One of them being when, you know, they talked about the guy that was going into a little bit of the spoilers, I guess, the guy that was um, mm. feeding him information from, from oh, inside yeah. the kind of revolution. Coons or whatever. Yeah. When they said, what about Coons or whatever? And he's like, well, if we let him live, we'd have to pay him and kind of just walks off. <laughs> <laughs> I got a laugh out of that. I also laughed, and not because it was good acting, but when the jet burnt his legs, his reaction had me fucking doubled over in stitches. <laughs> <laughs> the look on his face, he's kind of screaming. Oh, it was, yeah, it was good stuff. Yeah, his best his best line for me was right at the end when the two ninja guys chop each other's heads off. Yeah. And he goes, that they've got buddy thermonuclear weapons inside them or something, and if they... They're going to go down into a countdown. We've got 20 seconds. We're, all, we're dead, you stupid slags. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, he was, uh, he was over the top. Look, his performance wasn't the worst out there. No. 
But he's playing the villain, mate. I mean, fuck, in a movie like this, ostensibly it's a comic book movie. Yeah. Well, I look at, I look at him and I look at, look, Rip Torn, I think he knew where this movie was going. <laughs> so he just fucking, he, he was just off the wall. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you give that role to Tom Atkins, of course, you get a touch of class. <laughs> exactly. You give it to Atkins. Style. And I'm starting to fear for Robocop's safety. Yeah, yeah. I'm worried that Atkins can handle. Yeah. I think um, Robocop. Yeah, Atkins would have been far better in that role. Maybe he could have bunged on a maybe he could have bunged on a British accent or they could have asked him <laughs> to and he could have just ignored them a la Donald Pleasance. You know, he learned from the best. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, I don't want to harp on this, and because I've got no more likes. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Have you got the others? I've got one. What is it? In a better movie, the scene with the cops walking walking out and dropping the badges would have been good. Yeah. Just the yeah. just the visual where they all drop the badges in a pile. I thought that was but in a, a shit movie. In a shit movie, well, you know, it didn't didn't save things. <laughs> it barely moves the needle. Yes, <laughs> correct. So, okay, so let's just quickly launch into the dislikes, just with a bit of a general thing here. This guy, as a villain, because it's a PG-13 film and it's more of a comic book, there's no menace to him. Like, comparing it to, like, Clarence Bodiger from the well, first yeah. one. I mean, comparing I it mean, to him walking in on the bloke snorting coke with two prostitutes and then leaving him with a grenade in his, you know, that... that you, you can't do anything similar to that. But this is the thing. This is the great thing about the first one. Robocop is, you know, physically much, much, you know, Bodiger's no match for Robocop physically. No. Because you know, he's made of steel. And But Bodiger's still a presence. There's still a chance that Bodiger can take Robocop down. You're always on edge. Well, even because I mean, he's cronies and the guy's all more that of a the connections. I, I feel like he's got more bloody Dick Jones about him too, because he doesn't get involved all yeah. that much. But even Dick Jones, you know, was able to using Clarence Bodica for some of it. They they managed to to craft a real menacing nature about him too. I mean, Dick Jones was still pulling Blake's hair in the toilet. Yeah, well, that's right. At the minimum. Hmm. My first dislike, just going to the overarching stuff, they really made a mistake by making it like a kid's sort of movie. Yeah, exactly. Well, the media break lacks all the satire and stuff that was going on in the first Robocop. The ads, we got one ad, as you mentioned, basically. Yeah. And even though it was a bit of a bit of a laugh, it was more because you were kind of missing those from, from the other pictures. Yeah. So you miss the kind of commentary on what's you know what the world what they think the world's going to come to. As we said, the closest they got was the bloke leaping out the window, which was a bit of a chuckle. But and the the lack of violence does the same because it painted this over the top fucking version of the future to to kind of highlight its points and where we were heading and the bloody cl- the, the fracturing of the classes and shit like that. So it, it lacks all that punch. Yeah, the other thing about the first film and all that violence is that Detroit is a fucking lawless land. Mm. You know, like it's a lawless city. Yeah. And 
it's being run by these scumbags. And then when Robocop comes into play, you know, there's almost a heroic, you know, when he first hits the road. Yeah. And, and we have three or four set pieces where he just goes on a tear. Yeah. Starts arresting everyone. Mm-hmm. And, and as a viewer, you're fucking punching the air. You're loving it. Yeah. Whereas this one, the closest we get is the bloody Splatterpunks, who, again, yeah. look like something out of fucking the Mad Gear Gang or something from Final Fight or Streets of Rage or something like that. They're not very, <laughs> I don't know, they, they, they don't work. They don't work. But then, you know what? It doesn't even lean fully into the, 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 the sort of PG-13. No, not really. The film kind of, the tone flops around. Um, even though the violence is toned down, there are still moments where it's kind of like, well, you know, in an R-rated movie, this might have had more punch, but, you know, maybe they could have done something more with it. It just, it doesn't pick a tone and stick, right? So if you were going to go for PG-13, then perhaps downsize the, the picture. Do something different with it. Mm. And I think they try to grab some satire, but then they don't fully do it. Just jettison it. Well, it felt like, you know? I mean, in some instances you thought with the little kid, you were you were thinking they're verging on going bloody goonies here with with Robocop being her kind of chunk, sort of protector. Yeah. Sort of, but then, you know, they, they move back to some of the OCP shit, just kind of, I mean, the OCP See, stuff, the big business stuff, I don't think... It worked great in the first one because it was making that commentary and the satire and and taking the piss out of of, of the American companies at that time and what what they felt they were doing to the fucking country. Whereas yeah. this is just you could take OCP off it and slap any fucking any old name on it, and it would work just like any other movie. You wouldn't be able to see the 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 parallels with with the other RoboCop movies, basically. Totally agree. And the problem there is you've got the OCP takeover by the Japanese corporation and all that sort of stuff. It just wasn't integrated enough or well enough to be useful. Yeah, so if you, you go on PG-13, don't even bother with that shit. As you said, it didn't It didn't pick one and go with it. It tried to sort of have its yeah. cake and eat it too, but it, it just I didn't have. I would have downsized it into something more... I'm not saying you do this with Robocop, but something like Dread, right? Mm. Yeah, Dread was self-contained in small, a small sort of place and worked well in that sort of thing. Maybe that's something that Robocop could have taken a, a leaf out of, make it a little bit smaller. Yeah, but even Dread was hefty on the violence and the... Yeah, I would have left it R-rated. I just don't. I'm not think... really sure what toys they thought they were selling. Well, the good thing, the, the good things were that you know the good thing about RoboCop was all that stuff that they they kind of took out. I think that's what yeah. separated it in a lot of ways. I think, but I mean, by this point, they you know they mentioned that they'd already made the the animated series that they were trying to sell to kids as well. So the direction had sort of changed, which I you know I can't can't hold that against Fred Decker. He had to work to that brief and. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I just I feel like it would would have been difficult anyway. Yeah, it just sort of felt like they're throwing a lot of ideas at the wall, and nothing's really sticking. Yeah, and they kind of fail miserably. They're trying to get some entertainment value out of all these things, but it's just not working. Yeah, 
And yeah, it's the kind of like piling shit of... on top of shit. It's like a triple decker at the UC <laughs> toilet. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, Jared? Yeah. It's it's just piling more and more shit on top of bad stuff. That's correct. You just you layer on one piece of <laughs> two ply, and then you you drop another one yeah. on top. Um, it's. I, I just feel like any of the ideas too were just surface level, and I use the the yeah. kid as the biggest example. She's a computer genius. And the only reason she is is so that she can program, uh, she can help with with bloody the Otamos and and a little bit of machinery throughout the film. It doesn't it doesn't add to her character whatsoever. There is no, no. character. It's just a you know, and it screams of let's have someone for the kids to to put put themselves into you know let's to, to relate to and sell yeah. some toys. It's quite clearly a mistake. Yes. Getting back to the acting, it's kind of up and down, right? Mm. I mentioned a couple of actors that I thought did a did a decent job. Yep. Rip Torn is probably too over the top. I mean, he is just going crazy, but <laughs> it probably works in a sense of what that character was. Yeah, I some wouldn't call it a great, but one of his great performances. No, no, he's cashing checks. In this he's one. cashing a check. The worst one they've they've given is poor old Bradley Whitfield. Yeah, I mean his his stuff is just fucking ludicrous. He's the biggest scumbag since Glazer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he I kind mean, of he's on screen for forty minutes. He, he has five lewd comments about <laughs> Doctor Lazarus's ass. <laughs> it's funny that he actually made a career out of that. Because he is yeah. so good at it, but you're right. In this one, it was just lathered on so thick. It probably would have fit in something more akin to the original or part two. Because possibly, yeah, that was you know they had a little bit of that, but it wasn't as it probably wasn't as nuanced, I suppose. <laughs> you can call it that. But yeah, it's it stood out even more here because everything else was toned down. His type of character in the first movie is like M- Miguel Ferrer and. Um Johnson, the 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 guy who's in the third film, yeah, but they they are yeah they're a little bit over the top, but not like that. He's kind of sneering. He reminds me of his character in Billy Madison. He does, yeah, but it works in Billy Madison because Billy Madison's kind of silly and and you know it's a comedy, mm. so it kind of works. He's supposed to be the worst person in the, in the room. This one, there's no nuance to it. Even that sequence where he leaves, you know, he says he'd swallow a bullet if he was got fired. And then he walks out the door with his gun and you hear the gun go off. I mean, I couldn't give a shit. I was pretty happy he was gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dr. Lazarus could feel free from not being sexually harassed. That's right. Further. That is correct. So I think that that was too much. I mean, he's a really good actor. He is, and yeah. Just sort of being left to do that sort of sneering type of yuppie idiot. Just didn't 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 sit well with me. No, I didn't think it. I didn't think it worked all that well. One question I have for you, as a RoboCop guy, mm-hmm. it's pretty f- fair to say that the RoboCop program was a success. <laughs> oh, absolutely! Is that a the fair first one. Assessment? The first it's one. A success. Yes. And so I thought, why are there not more RoboCops around? Well, this is what I don't get out of the first one. After the first one, the old man is is happy that RoboCop has sort of brought a little bit of justice to things, 
And so that's what I was thinking too. Surely he'd immediately be putting more Robocops into production. But I think that's where he used that. That's why they had Kane. Yeah, but that was even then they were trying to redesign it, right? Well, it was somebody new coming in and yeah, putting their stamp on it. But OCP, the same people in OCP that were happy that that happened. And I guess this probably goes along with what the company stood for in the first one and what everyone involved was about, mm. is that they're just back to the profits and whatever. But even then, like, it just seems like, yeah, there would be something more akin to him having been rolled out. Yeah, and they sort of showcased they tried a few different versions, remember, and they all lost their minds or yeah, and put I, their own brains out never in oh, part two. So I get that they were trying to sort of stick with there is a new RoboCop program. Yeah, but, but I don't understand. Like, more RoboCops. Well, this is the thing. Why is it? Why does the program? Why was the program redone? I can't even remember that from the second one. But if the first one was a success, we go back with the same fucking blueprint, don't we? Yeah, not the one that comes out screaming and then. <laughs> Fucking shoots itself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, that's something I'll never really, I'll never really get. That could have been a cool plot device for part three. Well, I feel like it's, it's sort of maybe it's, it, it speaks to the limitations of the character, right? They, they keep going. Everyone that has a crack at it seems to keep going back to the same things or similar things. What would um, be wrong with? There's now 15 Robocops in the force and then the the others are all infected by a virus or something and go, go crazy and Robocop has to take them on. I mean, Robocop versus Robocop. Yeah, well, I think... Um, I could get down for that. I believe there's one in Prime Directive where there's another Robocop that's basically the same sort of design and whatever. So we better, we better check that, that out. Stupid Ninja. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean... That was really just another sort of robot. Yes, yeah, I don't know. I, I, oh, where did they get that from? I don't know. I don't know. Just commenting on the action, I mean, I, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, if, if the action was a runner, it wouldn't have fucking cracked a sweat, basically. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was interesting reading the, because um, the dialogue's pretty pretty poor too. Hmm. Um, again, this is why I'm so disappointed in this film because Fred Decker's and better than this. You know, the quality of his work is better than this. Yes. I mean, Night of the Creeps. I fucking love Night of the Creeps. Yep. And this is just like, I mean, it's like chalk and cheese. It's where it was a different bloke. Yeah, I think you this would. Movie. I think you would. And <laughs> the thing is, in the trivia, it was saying, oh, he really wanted to write the script with um, Shane Black or someone like that. Mm. And and you know I noticed Shane Black has like a cameo in there. Yeah. I mean, fuck, sure you can't throw him a couple of pages while while he's on the set and go, can you punch this? Up? Yeah, do the predator trick. We'll punch your roll up yeah. a little bit so you can hang around set and fucking fix the fix the script for us while you while yeah. you're here. I mean, the thing was he was writing Long Kiss Goodnight, and he was also involved with Last Boy Scout, so he didn't have any time. Yeah. Uh, and it would have been interesting to see where it would have gone. But surely if those two had written together, they'd have been looking forward to make it R-rated. Yeah, and given O'Ryan's uh, situation, was he supposed to do it on good faith or something? Like, (laughs) they're not not handing out cash if they're going bankrupt. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, you know, I think this wasn't really Decker's strength. 
Yeah. And go, look, um, you mentioned uh, Bradley Whitford and his role. Uh, like, I only just kind of remembered this as we were talking about it. But, and again, it's it's talking about stuff that we've, ground that we've covered that, that seems to be going over again. Why are we still, why is he still going downstairs upset that Murphy has his memories? I mean, we've done that. <laughs> yeah. It's established. And that's part of why he succeeded in the other ones. Why are we going to that ground again? Why does why is Murphy still in there? Get rid of him. Yeah, I couldn't see the reason for it. They covered that ground in the in the other films, the the directives, disobeying direct orders, and all sort of stuff, making a decision. Yeah, he made a decision to turn around and and go and help Lewis. Yeah, we've been there. We've done that. Yeah. Why are we still doing the, it? Where was the dialogue line that said, "Mate, fucking check the minutes from a couple of years ago." We've we've talked yeah. about this. <laughs> you go and talk to Bob Morton. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Or uh, Dick Jones. Yeah, correct. Yeah, he's the bloke with the really long arms. <laughs> yeah, he fell out the window. He looked like the Slender Man. <laughs> oh shit! Just jettison that shit. Fred, like yeah. that should have been the first part of your pass of your script initially. Should have been get rid of all this shit. We've seen all this before. Yeah, and we've seen it handled ten times better because they had it. Like Verhoeven, to cut the other directors some slack, is Verhoeven had a full canvas to work with. Mm. The others are just painting over it. Yeah, that's right. Using a top-notch analogy, an art analogy. Yeah. but Well, I think they're doing, just sticking with your analogy, I think they're doing a sort of Mr Bean effort where he kind of just, <laughs> he tries to fix Whistler's mother and then yeah. just paints the same face but very badly. It seems like that's what they're doing, right? I've <laughs> <laughs> no, got a better analogy for you. Robocop was painted by Bob Ross. <laughs> Robocop 3 was painted by fucking Ken Doe. <laughs> Yeah, but Kenny Doan has his fans. I don't think Robocop 3 does. <laughs> what I mean is the nuance. Yeah. And the, 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 yeah, like Kenny Doan's a basic. Yeah, yeah. Bob Ross has got a bit of nuance. Yeah. So He's using this some techniques. This is where techniques. I'm getting at. He's cross uh, yeah, It's always good to throw shit. an analogy out there, Jared, and then explain it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, fucking hell. Um, Let's move on. The spy in the ranks. I mean, it's a classic trick, but it's just so poorly done because you just don't care about anybody. So so when it pops up, it's like, oh, well, okay. I love the way they do the whole he's hidden in the shadows for a second. Yeah. And then he walks out of the shadows. Yeah. And it's sort of the music swells. I'm like, who the fuck's that guy? Well, the second you saw him in the shadows, you were like, oh, it's Milton. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Even in the shadows. Uh, the building. But they didn't have, They hadn't developed any sort of... And again, this comes down to the writing, and they hadn't developed much between those characters. So, again, CCH Pounder, her dying, it could have... It could have been a moment that got you really annoyed and really frustrated with that guy. Yeah. But it, none, none of it really mattered because they were just they were just sort of there. You didn't really care for it. You probably the only other option for a double cross would have been Von Bruggen. Yeah. Because he was more noticeable. Yeah. 
And he was close with CCH Pounder, so it would have been the, the ultimate backstab. He wasn't the one that was pissing and moaning about Robocop coming along. Yeah. So it would have been at least a surprise. Milton was talking about fucking bringing Robocop. That's my state wearing all this sort of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Milton, what's happening? <laughs> I would love that if they get down into their they get down into their sewer lair and here comes what's his name fucking Lumberg or whatever come on hey uh, I'm gonna need you to move over to that bunk over there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, I love that movie. I also had a big issue with uh, you know when they recruit the punks after the cops walk out. The yeah. cops have fucking flipped over cars and worked out some cover and shit. The punks seem to just wander down the road with no cover, but no one gets shot. Yeah. They walk down the middle of the road, and I understand they've got a couple of tanks behind them and whatnot, but I figure the people at the front, and I think this would have worked, again, to highlight the nature of the guys that they were, the guys that paid them to do that, was that they get fucking... Minced on the front line, they get shot down, mm. and the fucking soldiers just step over them like they're nothing. Like that would have fit the, but you couldn't do that again because you couldn't show them getting hurt or killed. See, that should have been a massive showdown. Yes, on the street. Yeah, between the punks and the cops, but it just has no resonance at all. It doesn't bring anything to the table. No, correct. And to backtrack. I had to have a laugh when um, the OCP hit squad or whatever busts into the church mm. and Robocop and that have gone underground. <laughs> and the bloke goes, ah, oh, shit. And, and his lackey runs up next to him and goes, don't worry, I'm tracking him. And he holds this box out mm. and it's just a black screen with a red dot on it. And I'm thinking, <laughs> what the fuck are you tracking? <laughs> this <laughs> Yeah, is this there's a, no is, map. There's nothing more of this. This is a fucking high tech game of fucking hot and cold, mate. <laughs> if he's halfway across the city, you're just as long as it starts beeping faster, it's like yeah, warmer, warmer. <laughs> it's bloody ludicrous. I'm like there should be a map on there, you idiot. You might know where he is. And further to that, the the rebels with their fucking. Overhead projector style, you know, their overlay onto a map. Are you telling me that's the best way to cover your tracks or to <laughs> to, to, to keep your hideout secret? Yeah. It's, it's like yeah, there's a line on this. It looks like a map. <laughs> it looks like something that, that goes to a map. I don't know. It just, yeah. That stuff is just <laughs> bloody stupid. Yeah. I mean, you're in the future. Yeah, exactly. You got and you're things using to work tracing with you. paper and stuff. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Oh, yeah, come ridiculous. On. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I've got a question for you. Yep. Why is the Japanese CEO? Why does he um, his English dubbing sound like a bloke who's fucking throat ripped out? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Like, what are we doing here? Yeah, he sounded like the Shockmaster for the WWE. <laughs> I am the Shockmaster. <laughs> oh. I don't know what was going on there. Sticking with the oh. sticking with the wrestling here, I've got a. I've mentioned this before when we've spoken about Robocop. The playbook to put him in danger seems to be Robocop falls over, 
and <laughs> gets his ass handed to him. And then does the old uh, Andre the Giant style. Once you got him off his feet, he's fucked. <laughs> but then, he, then we go to the, then we take a page out of the Hulk Hogan playbook in that you spend you know uh, you spend two thirds of the match getting your ass handed to you, and then all of a sudden you Hulk up and fucking that's game over. You do one or two things and that's the end of the fight. Uh, that's that's always been one of my big issues with RoboCop that the first one didn't do so badly. Although even then, no. I've had a couple of instances of that where he's just useless after he gets fucking shot or something. But it's just, yeah, always there seems to be this big play about my, was putting this sequence together as a Robocop fucking falling over, and when he does, he's fucked. <laughs> I'm just yeah. sort of like, this is not... I don't know. This doesn't work. I guess that's one of the few things that I like that the, the, the remake did was that he actually had a bit of... He could I, move. Yeah, I didn't necessarily like all the all the running and leaping and shit, but the fact that he could actually get up if he fell over <laughs> was a positive. Well, you're never going to have him. See, why do you have the ninjas, right, the robotic ninjas who are not in suits? Yeah. If you're not going to – they can't fight with each other because RoboCop can't move quickly enough. You can't move at all. So – the, the ninjas, like, what they should have done is had him in a redesigned suit or something so he, he could move and if you're going to have the ninjas so he could actually battle with them. Can I also yeah. ask, uh, you know, questionable things, why is the ninja smoking when he first rocks up? I know, because by that point you see him get out of the car and you hear the, the robot sound when his foot hits the ground. And I was just thinking to myself, are they trying to throw us off the scent by making us think he's sort of like an upgraded RoboCop, I suppose, that he's kind of half man, half human. Because he was smoking a cigarette and then he fucking wanders off. Yeah, I'm not sure. And this is, again, another problem with it it being PG-13. He's essentially the Terminator, right? So you could have had those sequences like when he cuts that sign off. Yeah. Of intimidation and things like that. You could have had some of those sort of things with a bit more of... You know, putting people in danger, hmm. but again, they didn't. You didn't have the option. But your problem is, you just can't have them fighting. No, and that's why. If you wanted to reintegrate the the Japanese takeover, which would have been, I guess, enough subtext. You know, Japanese conglomerate buying into American products uh, and companies, which was happening in the nineties. And they introduce a new type of Robocop, a number of them. And, of course, then it's Robocop against Robocops. Mm. It w- that would make more sense because the fights could be a little more kind of close quarters, banging each other into walls and stuff without having to, like, get knocked over <laughs> like a turtle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, he is, isn't he? The other, the other funny thing was I'd heard this mentioned, but I never really noticed it, so I had a look at but where he gets his arm cut off. You can kind of see his elbow, the actor's elbow poking out behind his back. Yeah. <laughs> it was great stuff. Even the best movies have done that. Though. Oh, yeah. Carl well, Weathers is anyone? You know, yeah, yeah, true. My biggest problem, uh, or one of the, oh, fuck, things got real dicey as the film sort of hobbled to its end. Mm. That sequence where Robocop shoots that guy's gun and it kind of dances in the air. <laughs> yeah. What was that? 
<laughs> yeah, that was that was shocking. What wasn't it? was that? Yeah, that gets cut immediately. Yeah, when you see it's it on the editor, I'm looks. going, we don't need that. Yeah, <laughs> we can't just, use that. <laughs> it just looked ludicrous. What, yeah. what were they? Was it supposed to be funny? I don't know. I, well, it was supposed to be again showing off his prowess, but it just looked silly. Right. He was like, he now, was, he was fucking juggling you, it with bullets. I said to you that I've got myself to the worst, worst car chase in the film. Mm-hmm. It actually comes, there's two pieces of humour that don't work at all, back to back. And the, the first one is, oh, the elevator door sticks. And then we see a scene of the door opening for Robocop and it closes and fucking, oh. I was just like, what What are we doing here? And that followed by him stealing a pimp mobile. Yes. Gage in a car chase. And I was just like, we have hit rock bottom. Like, this so is, is this the embarrassment about. you're talking about? Is this Robocop's lowest ebb? No, no, it's not his lowest. Not his lowest. But this is what I'm talking about with Fred Decker. Yeah, you're better than that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I asked the question, did you come up with this or not? Yeah. What I don't would know. make you think that that's a cool idea? It's like that stupid sequence. It reminded me very much of the stupid sequence in Terminator 3 where Terminator arrives on the scene. Just like in Terminator 2, he goes into a, a bar. Yep. And he takes bloody a set of glasses, but they're Elton John glasses, and the yeah. guy says, talk to the hand, and he, he talks into his hand. And I remember thinking the Terminator 2 one was really awesome, how he walks in nude and into this biker bar, and everyone sort of starts wanting to take him on, and he kicks ass. Yeah. And then the third part three was just like a joke. Mm-hmm. And this is the same thing here. What would make you think that that was funny? I don't know. I didn't laugh. Because it's not funny in anyone's <laughs> language. As far as I'm aware, I mean, well, can we do a straw poll? It's funny to talk about now, but that's about it. I mean, I'd like to do a straw poll and see who <laughs> <laughs> who finds that shit amusing. Yeah, but then again, I mean, if you hadn't walked in and said, meteor shit, we would have been laughing at it. <laughs> I mean, I I was unhappy with Stephen's performance, but I still laugh when someone brings up medieval shit. Exactly. The the fight between him and the ninjas was supposed to be the big sort of showdown, mm. but both of them just they are just the same. Yeah. As you said, he gets tripped, he lays on his back, <laughs> <laughs> lays on his back for a little while. While might I add the uh, the. the- his breath back. Yeah, the villain's just standing there. Like they, they show the shot when the Otamos, the two Otamos, start circling him, and the villain's yeah. literally just standing there in the background. Like he's standing yeah. still, just watching. And I'm like, we could have gotten, we could have worked out something more, couldn't we? Oh, easily, anything. Like he was holding off the villain from doing something that required him, you know, a couple of minutes to get done or. S- I mean, that yeah, sounds, like a, that sounds setting a bomb or that whatever. sounds stupid while it comes out of my mouth. But then I'm like, could it, be, could it have been any more stupid than him just standing there watching? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I just don't know what they were thinking because you put the two of them on him, and again, you've got no way to have a fight. Mm. 
Fred Decker was saying that he really wanted to hire like a top-notch Japanese stunt team. Yeah. That would have been able to do the sort of stuff like in um, the John Woo flicks. And I'm thinking it still wouldn't have worked, Fred. No. It would not have worked because you've got Robocop. And he's not conducive to a karate fight. No. That's right. You've got to be smart, mate. And the only way to do it would have been to have him in a streamlined suit so he could move like a human being. Yeah, that's right. And, well, well. you know, it was 1991 and maybe that wasn't capable. They weren't possible to do that. Robocop was, yeah, everyone wanted the same looking Robocop. Mm. I could buy it in the remake because he could move quickly. Yeah, that's right. They changed it up a little bit. All right, what else have I got here? Okay, I've got to my most embarrassing moment. It's my final dislike. Mm-hmm. Robocop and a jetpack <laughs> yeah. fly out above the streets of the city <laughs> <laughs> is the most embarrassing moment in the Robocop franchise. Yeah, I kind of said the, uh, no. the effects by today's standards look diabolical, really. The effects actually aren't the worst. No, they're not, but it's just sort of so clear. That it's like green screen yeah. of him fucking flying across the the top of it, and it's just it's such yeah. a. I guess it's something that they do so easily now with it with a decent budget. And going by that time period, this had a decent budget, but it just couldn't really achieve it to a to a reasonable standard. And as you said, the idea of him with the jetpack was a bit silly, anyway. Yeah. It just did not work, hmm. and unfortunately, it kind of made an already really poor, like a poor film, even poorer. Yeah, like the finale was probably its worst moment. Yep, because it took all these things that could have been good in theory and showcased that they weren't good. Yeah, they weren't good ideas. Him with a jetpack, him fighting ninja robots. <laughs> Sounds great. I mean, as it's coming it, out of though? my mouth, I'm. Does it? Yeah, well, Does you're it right. Sound great. As it's coming out of my mouth, no, it's not. <laughs> but, but you know, you can kind of see where Fred Decker was trying to go. I yeah, guess. yeah. But Robocop is not a lean hero. He's bulky. He moves with that kind of. You know, you can't have that in a fight, a hand-to-hand fight. Not really. So. There's, there's one of the big problems. Did you have any other dislikes? No, that was my last one too. So that's Robocop 3. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Podomatic. Send us an email at thrillme at iinet.net.au. Our Facebook page is Thrill Me Podcast Australia. And we're also a Podomatic at thrillme.podomatic.com. Take some time if you can and rate and review us, please. That would be fantastic. We also have an Instagram page at ThrillMePodcastAU. Keep an eye on our Facebook page for our next episode. But until then, take it easy and we'll catch up with everyone later. Cheers. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at ThrillMePodcast Australia or contact us at ThrillMe, all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au.